0: Welcome to Oasis Community Church. It's lovely to have you with us this morning. And if you're visiting for the first time, welcome. Do say hello. There's a a chat button there that you can use just to to jump on and and, uh, say hello. Um, It's good to have that interaction. And um, sometimes when you're watching this, you don't know who else is on and uh, there's not always that connection so um, that's just a good way to be able to connect also use it throughout the service if there's anything that you feel god's speaking to you about or you want to make any comments um, then do do that there's also the prayer request button if you want to put your prayers in there the um, the leadership will be praying for you with those John will be bringing uh, the next part of Philippians this morning and also Becky will be sharing with us in worship. Over the last three weeks we've been um, we're just coming to the end of our 21 days of prayer and fasting and over those three weeks we've been um, considering these three rhythms, looking upwards in the first week, inwards and then outwards for this week. And God's spoken um, quite a few things to me but I just want to share just two words that really are, um, I, I just feel it's God's heart um, in his word and those two words are but God and um, There's lots of different situations and lots of um, places in the Bible where this comes up and the things like but God heard, but God remembered, but God saw, but God's grace and the, the ultimate one in the New Testament, but God raised Christ from the dead. And that really is the golden thread throughout the whole of his word which is salvation and restoration for his people um, we might be there's lots of things that we we've gone through um, through this season of of lockdowns and and just being separated as a church um, and and the church isn't about a building, it's about a body of people and um, we might have faced um, loss of loved ones, we may be um, struggling with um, illness and also isolation and sometimes loneliness as well and also anxiety and stress. But Not only that the good things that we've celebrated and been able to enjoy and in the middle of that there's always god he is in control and he always brings in his butts because he's the one that we can turn to and he just from all the uh things that we're going through he can take those and he brings his perspective on it and we know he's with us and i just want to share with you um a piece another about god from ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 and it says but god because of his great love for us who is rich in mercy made us alive with christ Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and he seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not for yourself from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works, so no one can boast. For we are Christ's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. Let's just pray. Father God, I just thank you that we are alive in you. Father, I just thank you that um, as we come before you, you put your buts, but gods, in our way. And Father, thank you that we can trust you and hold on to your word and your promises. I just thank you that you are in control and that you are victorious. Father, I thank you that um, you meet us at each of our points of need. And I just pray now through this service as we come before you, that you will speak through your word and that, Father, you will just draw us closer to yourself. We just ask this in your precious name, Amen. And now I'm just gonna hand over to Becky who's going to um, share with us uh, in some songs and some worship.
1: Morning church. May we just come together today to worship God
0: remember who he is and why we are here.
1: About you, Jesus, I'm sorry, love for the thing I've made it. When it's all about you, it's all about you. Not in what I owe, not in the strength of flesh and Fame, youth, and beauty are- My soul is satisfied in him alone. My soul is satisfied in him alone. My soul is satisfied
2: Thank you, Becky, for uh, just leading us into that um, place of worship. and uh, what a beautiful song. Um, and it's just that call, that encouragement to to find our treasure, our hope, our life in him and him alone. Um, great, great song. Um, in a moment, there's going to be a link that's going to be posted that will just enable us to continue in our in an act of worship, in in our giving. And so this morning, uh, if you're able to give, um, then give as a, an offering, as a as a Thanksgiving, as a, an act of worship and recognition that the one in whom uh, has given us everything enables us to give uh, as, a, as a heart's response to his generosity towards us. And so that link's going to be posted up there in a moment. And we're going to watch a video in a minute, which is just going to conclude our, our really our, our 21 days of prayer. And I'm going to chat a little bit more about that in a moment. But Phil, I think if we can play the video, that would be great.
3: Father, we thank you that you gathered us together because of Jesus. Father, we thank you that we can sing, that we can rejoice, that we can worship the Father because of Jesus. Father, thank you that because of Jesus, none of us are pointless. Father, I pray that you would send us out in the name of Jesus by the power of your spirit to glorify your name and just to bring the joy of Jesus to the world in his name I ask it Amen
2: What a powerful prayer, Ian! And uh, thanks so much for just leading us in that. As as Joe mentioned earlier, and we are we're just coming towards the end of this 21 days of prayer and fasting. Um, Now, for us, this has become a rhythm in the life of the church, which isn't simply about a tradition, but it's about aligning our heart and our, our individually and collectively with with God's purpose. And as you'll see, it's the the desire to see that God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, as we participate with him and so these uh, these rhythms if you like of of these 21 days of prayer of up in and out we it's not just a nice idea and a nice uh, crafty way to to form and frame three weeks of prayer but really the the desire has been that these would become rhythms of of part of our life that isn't simply uh, for the three weeks but what helps to form us and shape us as a as a whole people who are passionately pursuing God in in relationship with him, who are loving one another and and also loving those who don't yet know Jesus and you could really frame this as love for God, love for one another and love for our enemies because people who are uh, uh, separated from God, the desire is that they we'd we long for them, don't we to come to know him and um, and so our our life then framed and shaped by by love fundamentally. And we can only grow in love as we, I believe, as we see God in, in a place of prayer and also centre our la- lives around the things that are important to him. And so, Joe, you earlier mentioned about this but God and, and how many but God moments have we experienced in our lives, whether that's in our relationship with God or relationship with others or relationship in, in terms of mission to the world. But God, as Joe rightly pointed out, are littered throughout scripture. And and wouldn't it be amazing to think that some of the people that you've been praying for and we've been praying for this week, and you maybe think it's it's an impossible moment, it's an impossible task. Maybe you've been praying for the hardest-hearted person that you know this week, and I want to say that it's a but God moment because with it's it's only God who can break through into into people's hearts. So whatever it is that you're you've been praying for this week, as we've prayed collectively together let's believe that we're going to see some but God moments in the days that lie ahead and, and I just really encourage you to, to center uh, our, uh, your life and community life around these three rhythms as we uh, seek to align with God's purposes so I'm going to shut up otherwise I'm going to be in real danger of preaching and that's not my task uh, for this morning so I'm going to hand over to uh, to John who's going to uh, just bring us into Philippians Philippines chapter three thanks John
4: uh, thanks, Ian. Thanks, Becky, Joe. What a great morning. Um, grab your Bibles. We're going to carry on in Philippians. Kids, there's a link coming up in the chat for you. Uh, for any point today, you can jump onto Kids Church. Uh, so enjoy that. But we're going to continue our deep dive into the letter of uh, Paul to the church in Philippi. Um, so we're in chapter three. Grab your Bibles or turn on your device, whatever it is you need to do. Um, this is Paul, who was known as Saul, uh, one of the most passionate haters of those that follow Jesus. Uh, the story is that he was was on uh, the way to persecute some more of these Jesus followers and he had an encounter with Jesus himself and uh, he he lost his sight he lost his appetite uh, and then one of the very people that Paul is going to persecute uh, hears from God and comes and prays for Saul Uh, you can read about it all in Acts uh, and uh, Saul immediately regains his sight he starts to feel peckish again and he gets baptized and he becomes a follower of the very uh, one who he's been persecuting the other followers of Uh, and Saul over time he. Known as Paul, uh, and he's now in prison. Uh, and he's in prison because um, he is declaring that Jesus is the one true Lord. Uh, and in, a, in a, an environment, uh, a Roman environment where he's writing into and, and these people are living, that's a really dangerous thing to do, because for, for the Roman Empire, there's only one true Lord and that's Caesar. Uh, but Paul says, no, 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 it's Jesus. Uh, it's all Jesus. And uh, so he's in prison uh, and he finds himself in this prison, uh, uh, Roman prison cell, and he's awaiting trial that will result in his execution. Uh, And Paul's life is completely out of his control. He is confined. He is isolated. He is restricted. Uh, Life on the surface seemingly couldn't get any worse. Uh, And yet throughout this letter, there is a joy. There is trust. There is a hope found in this letter. Uh, And the perspective the perspective that Paul has is profound. And so I I think as we go through a really challenging season, uh, Paul can speak into our circumstances, the spirit of God working through Paul, speaking into our circumstances and our situations. So that's my prayer this morning as we continue through this letter. And it is a letter. It's a real letter from a real person to a real church that God is using to communicate his heart and what it means to live, love and look like him. So uh, grab your Bibles if you haven't. Chapter three in a message that I want to call It's All Because of Jesus. And you might get a little bit bored of that phrase this morning. It's all because of Jesus. So let me start. Philippians chapter three says, in addition, uh, other translations say finally, finally. So we're kind of coming to Paul's conclusion, his final thoughts. But remember, Paul's a pastor. So never believe a pastor when they say in conclusion or finally uh, it usually means there's another couple of hours to go. So we've still got two chapters to go. We're in chapter three and we've got the whole of chapter three and chapter four. So we're in. We're finally in addition, my brothers and sisters rejoice in the Lord. To write to you again about this is no trouble for me and is a safeguard for you. Watch out for the dogs. Watch out for the evil workers. Watch out for those who mutilate the flesh, for we are the circumcision, the ones who worship by the spirit of God, boast in Christ Jesus and put not uh, and do not put confidence in the flesh. Although I have reason for confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh. I have more circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, regarding the law of Pharisees, regarding zeal, persecuting the church, regarding the righteousness that is the law, blameless. Verse seven. But everything that was a gain to me, I have considered to be loss because of Christ amen 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 what a great passage of scripture i think i need to pray though because if you maybe you're visiting us online this morning or maybe you've just woken up and you're in your pajamas and you're feeling a bit blurry and you've suddenly heard uh, on a sunday morning at just before 11 o'clock watch out for dogs evil workers mutilators of the flesh circumcision and there's a bit more circumcision in there maybe you're feeling i need some prayer so let me just pray uh, and then we'll dive straight into uh what god is saying through his word father we thank you for your word lord we thank you that When we struggle to hear you, you have spoken. And so, Lord, I pray that you would speak into our lives this morning, wherever we are, wherever we are uh, with you right now, emotionally, with what's going on in our circumstances, within our faith, whether we believe you or not. Lord, will you just stir this morning, open our eyes to help us draw a little bit closer uh, for your glory in Jesus name. Amen. You know, I'm I'm so thrilled to be preaching on these verses because they always make me smile, especially uh, verse three, which we'll get there in a few minutes. But I grew up in church uh, and growing up in church meant I spent most of my summers at church camp or youth camp. And um, back in the 90s, we thought we were cool. I don't know if it still happens now, but at the end of youth camp, you would go around with your Bible and people would sign your Bible. So here is my youth Bible. And it's got the signatures in it to prove how cool I was back in the mid 90s uh, with people signing my Bible. Uh, And people would leave like a a really like spiritual message. And um, the really spiritual ones would put a Bible verse. And if you were super spiritual, it was a Bible verse that you had to look up where it was in the contents page because you didn't quite know where that book was in the Bible. Um, And so we would all sign each other's Bibles. And I remember one year I was signing people's Bibles and I was leading in some worship at the time. And so worship verses John 4, 23, different verses were what i was putting in people's bibles and um one of the verses was from from, from philippians um, and it was "Rejoice in the lord always i say again rejoice and i was like what a great verse just encourage people to keep rejoicing but the trouble is i couldn't remember if it was philippians 4 4 or philippians 3 3 and so I'm signing people's Bibles and I'm thinking, is it 4-4 or 3-3? And I had to take a punt because I didn't want to look like I didn't know what I was doing. Like, hang on a second, I'm just going to look up this verse. So I just went for a punt. I was like, chapter three of most books of the Bible have got something, some gem in it. John three 16. It's got to be Philippians 3-3. So I'm signing everybody's Bible. Be blessed. Be You're anointed. God's hand is on. You keep running the race marked out for you. John Philippians 3-3. And I got back to the minibus and we're on our way home and I'm looking and I took the opportunity to sneak a look in my Bible. And I was I was mortified because instead of telling everybody to rejoice in the Lord, always, I say again, rejoice, which is actually Philippians four, four. I was writing in everybody's Bible Philippians three, three, which starts out for it is we that are the circumcision. That is not a passage that you want to write in teenagers Bibles where you're trying to look super spiritual. But actually, uh, I'm really chuffed to the fact that that was the verse that I wrote by mistake because it is a profound verse. And we're going to get there in a few moments. So let me just work. We're just going to work verse by verse through uh, these, uh, this passage this morning. And it starts in verse one where Paul says, in addition, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I love Paul's perspective. He, he's, he's encouraging those he's writing to. And he says to them, be a thankful people. Be a people who are known as those who rejoice. Be glad, other translations say. Not because life is going the way you want it to. Look at me, I'm in prison and I'm encouraging you to be a people that rejoice. In fact, in spite of your circumstances, you can be a people that rejoice and be thankful because your rejoicing is in the Lord. See, we can rejoice when the source of our joy is not our situation, but it's our saviour. It's because of Jesus. You can you can find joy in any place, whether emotionally, physically, financially, relationally. You've got enough to make it through another day. We can rejoice when our our joy comes from our saviour. See, the truth is that if we place our joy in anything other than him, they can and will let us down. I can, in my own ability, find in myself or try and find in myself uh, to be, the ability to make it through another day. But what happens when that falters? What happens when I have put my joy in something that crumbles and my hope is in something that doesn't sustain? I think that's something of what this last year is about. It's revealing to humanity just what we put our confidence in and how unstable those things are. See, sometimes the moments in my life when joy has been most absent, it's because I've stopped letting Jesus be the source and the sustainer of my joy. I've put my faith in something other to give me that joy, something that is unstable and shock horror. The result is that my joy is unstable. But when we place it in he who's the same yesterday, today and forever. He is consistent, And actually, regardless of what's going on around us, we can find a joy that goes beyond just circumstantial happiness, but a deep down confidence of this is who I am. This is what God is doing, because this is who God is, because he always acts in complete consistency with the content of his character. And that can bring a joy and a gladness regardless of the circumstances. Paul is in a Roman prison cell of all places, not one that would in any way, shape or form inspire joy. Yet he is able to write this, be a thankful people. And I can write that from the place of one who is because my, my joy and my hope is stable and secure because Jesus is stable and secure because it's all because of him. So Paul goes on. He, he says to write to you again about this is no trouble for me and is a safeguard for you. So what Paul is going to do in these next few verses is cover some ground that he's already covered. He's written to other churches about this same issue. He's mentioned it in chapter one. I think it is a Philippians. So he's going to cover some ground. He's not he's not worried about going back and saying, I'm going to repeat myself and repeat myself and repeat myself. He's quite happy to go back to basics and say, let's cover this again. Church, I want to encourage you never, ever feel like we've got beyond the basics. We're disciples of Jesus. The term means we're apprentices to Jesus. We never mature past being apprentices, no matter how long you've been following Jesus, whether you whether you call him Lord and Savior or not. There's not a point where we go. Now we've made it. Now, now we're there. Now we've got beyond the basics. Never get beyond the fact that Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. Now oh, I've heard it. Come on. I've heard a message about that before. Come on. Give me some meat. Give me something theological that I can really get my teeth into. Never get beyond the fact that Jesus loves me, this I know for the Bible tells me so. It's not the bits of the Bible that we don't understand that are the most challenging. It's the bits of the Bible we do understand that are the most challenging, because the question then is, what are we doing with them? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Love your neighbor as you say. Yeah, got it. Thanks, John. We've, we've heard that. We, you, you did a series on it. You know, we, we've got it. We understand it. Love God. Every part of me, all of that sorted. Love neighbor. Great. Giving him a card every other week. Just to slam our amazing out. we got it. so on, Give me something deep and theological. Paul would say to write to you again about this is no trouble for me and is a safeguard for you. We're going to keep repeating and repeating and repeating. And as a church, we're going to keep repeating just who Jesus is. That it's because of Jesus. We're never going to get tired of saying it's because of Jesus. We're a Jesus people and we're never going to move past that. We're never going to mature beyond that because it's all about Jesus. And that's what Paul is saying in these verses. And he says uh, in verse two, uh, he says, watch out for the dogs. Watch out for those evil workers. Watch out for those who mutilate the flesh. It's going to be a fun morning. Uh, Watch out for those uh, who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision, the ones who worship by the spirit of God, boast in Christ Jesus and do not put confidence in the flesh. It's like, Paul, I mean, say what you think. Yeah, he's he's. this is meant to be the letter of joy. And suddenly now we've got these words that are actually quite rude words. You know, th- to call people dogs, that's what the Jews called the Gentiles. You dogs. Uh, the dogs weren't like nice little household pets. They were the strays. They were the, the disease ridden things that lived on streets. Uh, you mutilators of the flesh, you evildoers. Uh, I mean, these are harsh words. Uh, but what, what Paul, What why are you writing this? What What's this all about? And it can seem quite strange to our ears, but let me explain a little bit. What Paul is writing to here is he's writing to mainly Roman believers in Jesus. So they are non-Jewish, Gentile believers in Jesus. And what he's saying is that there are some, some Jewish believers in Jesus who are coming to be part of the church. And they say that to be a proper follower of Jesus, you need to adopt certain traditions of theirs. There were some were saying to be serious about Jesus and follow him as the savior of humanity, you need to be circumcised. Now that might seem really strange to our but you, you've got to understand the context. You've got to understand that to the people of God, there were certain things that were were fundamental to who they were, and circumcision was one of them. See, in, in the Old Testament, we've got this story in Genesis 17 where God establishes this promise with a man called Abraham, Abraham who God will rename Abraham. Uh, Abraham means father is exalted, and Abraham means the father of a multitude. Now that's going to be important. And as part of this promise, he says, I'm going to multiply you into a great nation. But also, as part of this promise, all of the males, the male slaves, the male uh, descendants, you all need to be circumcised. And you might be like, why was that in there? And it's a really good question. And, and some people would think it's because actually, what, what, what it did was it made this people distinct. I'm not sure. Uh, there's evidence that others around in the cultures around were also circumcised, but also, I mean, that's going to be a weird day when you've got to prove how distinct you are. Uh, when someone says, "Like, how do you stand out?" Well, let me just show you. That's an awkward moment of sho- of proving your distinctness. But if we go back to the promise, I think actually the clue is in the promise. See, in in Genesis 17, Abraham is 90 years old. His his wife and himself have not been able to conceive children, and here God says. I'm going to change your name to, to the to the promise that I've got for you. You're going to be a father of a multitude. And they've not even been able to have children. See, no way outside of God is that promise ever going to be fulfilled. And yet with God all things are possible. And they conceive and they have a son, Isaac. And now every generation of this family that is born is only coming into existence because God has been faithful to his promise. They're only a people because God is who he is. And so when they get on with the business of making the next generation, when they uh, sl- sleep off in the evening into their tents and, uh, you know, have a little bit a little bit of wine and a little bit of manna and ask Alexa to whack on the, the Levites to play some wooing tunes to get us in the mood. They're, they're not having another child. Nine months later, they're not celebrating the fact that they had a great night uh, nine months ago. There is a physical reminder in that moment. I am here because God made a promise to Abraham. And I can see it right now. Can, that promise is there. I'm not going to get into too many more details. But every generation that's born, there is a physical reminder. We are only here because God is faithful because of who he is. That's the reminder of circumcision. But if we fast forward, what we're seeing now is uh, is is from that point in circumcision, we see that the whole point is that we are not who we are because it's us. The whole of Moses's law was not because we just got to try harder to be able to make it to be enough to prove God that we're faithful. The whole point of circumcision was: it's God is faithful. God is the one. And, 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 and the law was all to, to prove the fact that I can never measure up. I need someone to come. I need a saviour. I need a hero that can actually measure up in all of this because I can't. We need Jesus. And now what we see fast fast forward is we see that actually what's happening is Jews and Gentiles are coming to believe that Jesus is this saviour. He did fulfill the old law. He did fulfill the prophets. He is the promised one. He is the savior of humanity. And what we're seeing is what it looks like for for this faith to be as God originally intended it to be for all nations. But now what about the stuff that was has been so important up to this point? What about the feasts? What about circumcision? And Paul is experiencing those that say to follow Jesus, you need to be like me. If you want to follow Jesus, you should look like me. And if you don't look like me, then we're going to bring into question whether it is actually Jesus you're following. You need to be of the right heritage. You need to be in the right gang. You need to believe this and this and this and mature at this rate. And you need to be doing this and not that. And Paul says, be careful. This is not about you. This is all about Jesus. You see, we're not determined by who we are. We're determined by who Jesus has made us. This is not about having the right religious, cultural, social, economic heritage. There's nothing wrong with any of those things in and of themselves, but they are not enough. The point of circumcision was to say we are who we are because of who God is. Yet now it was becoming this personal proof of piety that we're in and you're out. It can be so easy to hold on to what we can control in order to prove that we're enough and others aren't. Paul says you can't. You can't do it. In fact, if we just jump down a, a few verses, verse five, Paul gives the list that says I'm enough. Look at this. Verse five, he says circumcised on the eighth day. That should be enough for those of you that say you need to be circumcised to follow Jesus. Look, there it is of the nation of Israel I'm from the right nation of the tribe of Benjamin I've got the birth certificate to prove it a Hebrew born of Hebrews I speak the right language Uh, regarding the zeal a Pharisee I know all of the scriptures got every single one of them memorized of you well regarding the zeal persecuting the church I can spot a heretic from 100 yards I know it I can spot it I know who's right and I know who's wrong regarding righteousness in the law blameless don't you know that I am a holy person that's who Paul is. He's showing who he is. He's, he's giving proof that actually in the eyes of so many, I should be enough. But verse seven, he says, but everything that was a gain to me, I consider to be lost because of Christ. It's because of Jesus. It can be so easy to feel God approves of my position. I've got it right, but he disapproves of yours. You've got it wrong with all the political economic divides in the world during this past year, all the debates and the divisions, I know what's right. God approves of me uh, and my decision. He's on my side. And when it comes to following Jesus, unless you're like me, you've got it wrong. And Paul would say when we slip into that domain, of my way is right their way is wrong within the community of our church when we start to live it, I'm not I'm not preaching this because it is happening I'm preaching it just because we're in these verses but when a church community start getting into that domain Paul says we need to be really really careful do you remember the last few uh, messages that we've had as we've worked through chapter two Paul has been uh, reminding the beating a heart of the church is unity and humility and he starts with Jesus. He said he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but instead he emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant. That word servant means servant, willing to become nothing, willing to serve, willing to be humbled and humiliated for the sake of others. Paul uses himself as an example, as an offering being poured out for the sake of others. He uses Timothy, who says he's, he's not seeking his own interests, Epaphroditus, who served the church like a, and Paul like a brother. All these examples. And now he brings in this other example and says, now watch out for those who are living completely opposite to this, making themselves out to be the litmus test of holiness. There's no unity and there's no humility. It's because of Jesus. and He's going to repeat it again. It's because of Jesus. It's because of Jesus. It's because of Jesus. So this is this is where I'm going to conclude. Uh, And for those that were listening, uh, conclusions mean nothing to us pastors. So we've still got two chapters to go. So buckle in. uh, We're going to we're going to try and land the plane within the next uh, three hours. So you can get away to watch the rugby because we're all slightly saddened by what happened yesterday. Uh, Enough said on that. Um, But Paul uh, is going to actually say, let me give you three things that are markers of actually what those people that belong to Jesus look like. These people are coming in, these evil workers, these these dogs, these mutilators of the flesh. Let me give you now three things. It's like Paul knew that pastors in the future would need three points for their sermon. So he's given them to us right now. In Philippians 3 3, which is why this verse is so, I'm just so pleased that I started writing this in teenagers' Bibles all those years ago. For we are the circumcision. We're the ones that belong to God. We, we owe our everything to Him. For we are the circumcision, the ones who worship by the Spirit of God. Point one. Boast in Christ Jesus. Point two do not put confidence in the flesh Point three. Three things that Paul I'm just going to bring out for the next five minutes three things worship by the spirit for those that belong to God it all starts with worship worship is about putting God back in his rightful place putting him back on the throne giving him worth so often we we live with other things on the throne of our life whatever it is my reputation my ability to prove I'm enough to earn enough to do enough And Paul says it starts with worship, worship by the spirit. This word worship here, it means serve. It comes from the idea of serving in the temple. But now we serve in a temple that isn't bricks and mortar. It's us. We we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Paul writes to the church in Corinthians. The idea of serving here also carries with it this this idea of being qualified to carry out the task. I've got the grade so I can do the job. Look, I've made the cut. Excuse the pun. Paul says, you've not made the cut because of something outward. You've made the cut because of who God is. He says, worship by the spirit of God, serve by the spirit of God. That's to say, when we serve and live a life of worship before God, we do so by the spirit of God, not in our own strength, not because I've got the ability to be able to prove that I can be enough, but it's simply by the spirit of God that I can be all he's calling me to be. John 14, 15, it's some of the most challenging verse. It says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. I'm like, I might as well give up now. If that's the evidence of loving God is keeping his commands, I I, I can't do it. But if we read on, verse 16 says, and these are Jesus saying this, he says, and I will ask the father and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever. The word counsellor, advocate, helper, one who stands in your place, the one who's qualified to carry out the task is now the one who dwells within us. When we say yes to Jesus, when we accept who Jesus is and what he has done, worshipping in the spirit means a complete dependency and reliance upon the spirit of God to be all he's calling us to be. I can't do it on my own. I can't. I can't love him and keep his commands. But The Spirit of God can start to work in me and through me as a partner with him to live, love and look like Jesus. I was reading this morning in John 7. Jesus says, if anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Do you notice who he says can come to him? The qualification for those that come to him are those that thirst. The very fact is the ones that can come to Jesus are the very ones that know they lack. And in the following words, he says, and I will give them streams of living water. Uh, and I think in, in verse 39 of John 7, he explains that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is poured out on the ones that s- actually acknowledge. I cannot do this on my own. I surrender to you as my saviour. Come and help me be all that you're calling me to be. We worship by the Spirit. One writer says this legal worship was outward. And consisted in outward acts restricted to certain times and places. Christian worship is spiritual, flowing from the inworking of the Holy Spirit, not relating to certain isolated acts, but embracing the whole of life. See, what we begin to understand is that the work of God is inside out, not outside in. Not about the circumcision of, of the flesh, but it's about what the Spirit of God is doing inside and pouring out through our life. This is not about a cut in the flesh, this is about our whole life, your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, placed before God as an offering, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Suddenly, belonging to Jesus is not about just looking good, making sure we're on the right Zoom calls at the right time and people see us and know that we're, we're doing all right. It's about all of life. Yes, yeah, singing of songs in worship it's biblical and it's vital. And I think some of us probably struggling a bit more than we'd like to admit because we're not singing like we were. And actually, it's the act of that in our worship is a part of our worship. But it doesn't stop with the singing of songs when we log off in a few hours time from this uh, live stream. It's who we are at work, whether we enjoy our jobs or not, understanding that we've been put in a unique place to shine the gospel into places it's never been before. How we do family, the people look in on our life and go something different about them how we love our neighbours, how we love our enemies, how we eat and treat our bodies, how we live in this world that God has gifted to us. It's all of life. I don't know about you, but when I look at worship like that, I want to go back to singing because that's a lot more manageable and a lot more comfortable. I can do that. But everything else, I can't do that in my own strength. In fact, the cracks really quickly start to show, especially with those closest to me. But when we belong to Jesus we worship in the spirit we serve by the spirit Paul says in chapter two of Philippians be energetic in your life of salvation reverent and sensitive before God that energy is God's energy for some of you that first bit is enough I can't even do that be energetic in your life of salvation reverent and sensitive before God I, I can't even cope with that at the moment the energy you've got to do it is God's energy and energy deep within you it's the spirit of God God himself willing and working at what will give him the most pleasure That's what it means to serve by the spirit. Complete dependency upon the spirit of God to be all he's calling you to be. Second point, worship by the spirit. Boast in Christ. Do you know that as Christians, we're allowed to boast? Paul says the evidence of those that belong to Jesus is that they boast in him. Because when we know it's not about us and it's all about Jesus, there's nothing else we can boast in. So I wonder, does our life, do our attitudes, do our words, do our thoughts, do they draw attention to Jesus or do they distract from Jesus? In our homes, in our workplaces, with our neighbours, in our streets, if it really is all because of Jesus, are we willing to make it all about Jesus? Are we willing to have a heart that allows Jesus to be seen rather than have my opinions being heard? Are we willing to serve and not be served to love our enemies? We can only do that because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But actually, then our life starts to speak so much about Jesus. And our actions and our words. What do you talk about most of the time? Instead of some people that if they stop talking about themselves, they'd have nothing else to say. I wonder what it looks like if we made a conscious decision to say, I'm going to talk about Jesus more today than I did yesterday. And tomorrow I'm going to try and talk about him more in my family, with those around me. Yes, with my words. Absolutely. Because it's so important but actually with my attitudes and the way I live, let everything I do boast about Jesus and how good he is. Let me tell you, I, I am more than anyone having to say sorry to Jesus about how I mess up in drawing attention to him or not drawing attention to him. How sorry I am again that I've made this about me, my voice, my rights, my way. Help me today. Fill me with your spirit so I live a life that boasts on Jesus. That's the heart of those that belong to him. Serving, relying on the Spirit of God, drawing attention to Jesus, and finally, put no confidence in the flesh. I love the the message version of this section says this it says, Real believers are the ones the Spirit of God leads to work away at this ministry, filling the air with Christ's praises as we do it. We couldn't carry this off by our own effort, and we know it, even though we can list what many might think are impressive credentials. See, credentials are those that show who we are. I've got ministerial credentials. Doctors have credentials, uh, certain letters after their name. Academics have credentials. Policemen show their credentials. Care workers. Credentials show our identity. Identity is really, really important. We we live in in a society where identity is the major dominant thing. Who I am, what's formed me, am I being accepted, am I being understood, am I being loved by those who know me and increasingly so am I loved by those who don't even know me. Paul has all the credentials, he's got the family history, he has the biblical knowledge, he knows that he has lived to the letter of the law, he is circumcised, his identity in that aspect should be secure. He's got the credentials but he says even that all falls short. Paul has looked at his life in the light of who Jesus is. And he says, it's all because of Jesus. My credentials are not enough. I count them lost. I tear them up and I throw them in the bin because Jesus is the one who gives me the identity I crave. So many are searching for identity. It hasn't changed. Jew, Gentile, black, white, rich, poor, conservative, liberal. We want to own. We want to belong to something. Being one of these is not right or it's not wrong in and of itself. It doesn't mean uh, that we've got it all sorted if we belong to one of these. It doesn't mean we've got it wrong if we don't belong to one of these. What we need to understand is that in and of themselves, those things cannot actually give us what we crave. So many of us look and say, if only I had, if only I was rich, if only I had a bit more money, if only I had, if only I was married, if only this, if only that. And we put our identity and our belonging in something that frankly will never, ever satisfy. Paul had it and he says it's not enough because it's all about Jesus, because in Jesus you're accepted, not rejected. It's because of Jesus you're appreciated, not worthless, because of Jesus you're heard, not silenced. It's in Jesus that you're blessed, not rejected. It's in, in, in Jesus you're gifted, not average. In Jesus, you're made new. It's all because of Jesus. It's in Jesus that you're heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. It's in in Jesus, you're God's workmanship, given a purpose, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. You're given purpose. And that can only be found in Jesus. It's him alone because it's all about Jesus. So put no confidence in the flesh, Paul says. This isn't about the body being evil and the spirit being good and godly. Jesus had a body. There's nothing wrong with the body. This is about a confidence in my ability and my performance. A Christian's performance is no more powerful than an unbeliever's. Our ability has nothing, it can transform nothing. So we don't gain confidence from it. Instead, we put our confidence and we boast in Christ as we serve by the, the, the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit to give glory to the Father. That is a life that is surrendered, not striving. And I wonder how many right now we're struggling because we're seeking to strive and not surrender. Surrender to the fact that it's all because of Jesus. Guys, this is honestly where I want to end and we've maybe five minutes or so. And I'm not sure if this is going to work, but as I was just putting this all together, I just sensed that God wanted to minister to us this morning. Does it work through Zoom? God's not restricted. But I just sensed that the the spirit of God wanted to do some work this morning in some people's lives. So I just want to invite you right now, just, just in a moment of quiet, just posture yourself to receive from God. in this moment right now we invite you Holy Spirit will you just come and and pour yourself out pour out your presence on your people for those that are, are not experiencing joy in this season I'm not glad I can't rejoice but help us by your spirit to shift the perspective from that which we want us to seek joy in, to to lift, put our eyes on you, to lift our eyes up the mountain and see where our help comes from. Does it come from the mountain? No, it doesn't. The mountain will always fail because the mountain was put there by the creator God who is the one who can only give you the joy that you need. So we fix our eyes on Jesus. For those right now who, who maybe have never surrendered to Jesus, you've never given your life to him, just in this moment, just say yes. There's loads more you need to say, but yes to you, Jesus, is a really great place. Maybe you find yourself striving in your own strength. Spirit of God, will you just come right now by your by your power and your ability? Paul, Paul writes that uh, be, be continually filled with the Spirit of God. It is present and continuous. It's now and ongoing. We cannot do this without you. I sense maybe there's there's people that are ready to give up just as we've been worshipping and, and some words that uh, someone shared as we were praying before now and things that have just come up through the service. I just wonder whether there's someone that's, that's just really ready to give up because you don't think God sees. I was just reminded of Genesis 16, 13. Hagar in her brokenness recognizes that God is the one who sees. And in your brokenness right now of whatever has happened this week, Whatever someone said to you on Wednesday, in your brokenness, you can recognize that God is the one who sees. You're not pointless. Because that has been taken away from you. You no longer cease to serve a purpose. It's not true. The spirit of God, will you come and seal. You pour out your presence. Just in this moment, just this quiet moment right now. I just wonder whether there's some that have been hurt by the church and you're still carrying that. But maybe you gave your life to Jesus and you didn't stop the stuff that you should have done quick enough and the church was really quick to condemn you and cast you out. Maybe you did do everything you should and something happened with the relationship. And you felt like you didn't measure up Just like those who say you need to be like us in order to follow Jesus. A a leader, a church leader has spoken something and you can still hear those words going through your mind right now. Jesus, would your voice, would your voice, your affirmation, who you are. Would that be so loud that it would deafen the voice of condemnation? But God, we are who we are because of who you are. Lord, I thank you that it is because of you. And those that find themselves struggling consistently. Last night, I just struggle with the same thing that I always struggle with. Maybe that's your story. But I pray healing and I pray freedom, but I also pray that there would be a, a, an assurance, blessed assurance that Jesus is yours. what we're going to do, I'm going to invite Becky just to lead us in a song. We're, we're going to draw to a close, but maybe, maybe you just sense God is saying something to you just to encourage and build up our community. We've got a chat. Please share that with it's scriptures or just a, a word, maybe a picture. Just share that right now. Uh, I, I don't think God is restricted by these moments of, of being on Zoom. He, he can work in and through them. So we're going to come and we're going to worship. Start with worship. Start this week with worship, declaring who God is, putting him on the throne. Let's encourage each other. So, Becky, will you just lead us in a song? Thank you.
1: My worth is not in what I owe, not in the strength of flesh and bone but in the costly wounds of love at the cross my worth is not in skin two wonders here that i confess my worth and my unworthiness my value fix my ransom In him, no other my soul is satisfied in him
2: alone. Fantastic. Thank you, Becky. I'm just going to read some words from Isaiah 42 to finish this morning and uh, just just allow these to, to speak into your heart and mind. It's about the servant, the servant Jesus and his mission. This is my servant. I strengthen him. This is my chosen one. I delight in him. I have put my spirit on him. He will bring justice to the nations. He will not cry out or shout or make his voice heard in the street. He will not break a bruised reed and he will not put out a smoldering wick. He will faithfully bring justice. Maybe some of you need to hear that word this morning. He will not. uh, He will not. Uh, break a bruised reed, and he will not put out a smouldering wick. He will faithfully bring justice. He will not grow weak or be discouraged until he has established justice on earth. And we'll wait for his instruction. This is what God, the Lord says, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk on it. I am the Lord. I have called you for a righteous purpose, and I will hold you by your hand. I will watch over you, and I will appoint you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the nations. In order to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon and those who sit in darkness from uh, from the prison house. I am the Lord. That is my name, and I will not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. The past events have indeed happened. Now I declare new events. I announce them to you before they occur. Past events have happened. There's no point in ever denying them. But I believe that the Lord speaks a new day and speaks new things over you. So if you've had negative words or, or negative actions, you cannot change them, cannot deny them. But I believe the Lord wants to speak a new day, a new life, new hope. Um, and healing and restoration to you uh, in in this moment. And so, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your grace and your mercy and your kindness to us. Thank you for your power to bring change and transformation. Thank you for your power and ability and sovereign over all things to help us today and the rest of this week to walk in the power of your spirit for your glory and namesake. I ask these things. Amen. God bless you. Hope you have a fantastic day
3: and rest of the week. Thanks for being with us.